Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Anne Baldwin. And good morning, everyone. It's so great to have you along on this beautiful Sunday morning. I am your host still, Anne Baldwin, but I have some great news to share with you, and that's that this program has changed a bit. We have a new name and a new topic area. What was Voices of Recovery is now called The Connection, and we're still going to talk a lot about the topics that we previously discussed, like drug and alcohol and recovery programs, but we've been able now, um, because of this program, to kind of widen our horizons and talked about other topics that impact all of us on a daily basis, like mental health, foster care, um, incarceration, all types of things that are going on in our community and programs that are available for people out there, and talking to the real people impacted by these real issues. So thank you so much for being a great listener, and we're so excited to kick off this program with our first guest, Lisa DeMattis Lapore, and she is the CEO of The Connection, recently appointed CEO. Lisa, it's great to have you here today, and I'm so excited about this new program because there's just so many issues that are going on out there. You know, this state is um, obviously got some challenges, and I know that organizations have challenges that go along with that, but you're doing such good work, and I'm just so excited to share um, some of the good news. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. So how did you get from where you were to recently appointed CEO of this organization? Well, thank you, Anne. I'm really excited to be here. Very excited about the show. Um, I started working in the field of substance abuse many years ago and really uh, found myself drawn in working um, with men and women who were struggling and um, really wanted, had such a passion to um, work with different types of of clients throughout the state. And um, I think because I come from a a very sort of helping family um, folk, you know, my, my all of the folks in my family have always done really wonderful community things and have really reached out to help people. So I think I was kind of born with wanting to do that. And, um, you know, I, could, I remember a story. My, my dad was an attorney um, in, in Hamden, Connecticut. He passed away, but he came home one day in the winter, and he, he didn't come. He came home without shoes and a coat and a hat. And I, was, I remember being very little. And um, I said, Dad, you know, what what happened to your shoes and your coat? And he said there was a homeless man on the street and he didn't have anything. And I, you know, it was, it was snowing out and I gave him these things. And I, you know, from a little age, I, I guess I, a small age, I, I saw what my parents were giving back. And so I knew that, you know, and somehow I was going to be drawn to this field and helping others and really became aware of through church and other things that we did that, 
so many people in Connecticut, irregardless of their social status, you know, had many, many problems. So my, my really career has really been drawn in working in um, different types of nonprofits. But I really, um, you know, came to the connection 26 years ago and started their first women's program and have, you know, been a part of growing this organization. And I absolutely love it. It's very uh personally rewarding. I think that, you know, it's great, you know, we, everyone, you know, likes to work and we need to work, but the, the reality is that, um, I really like to go to work every day because I know that the work that we're doing in Connecticut is impacting, um, many generation, many generations. You know, it's one of those things that you just hit on Lisa too. It's, um, it's in your DNA, right? You right. talk about the impact of that mm-hmm. one gesture that you remember by your father mm-hmm. and it kind of sinks in. I remember my son, um, when he was probably seven years old, his piggy bank was full. And so we, we took that and we cashed that in and we went, I told him he could go get a toy at Toys R Us. So he was lagging behind me a little bit. I looked back and, you know, I, I said, where were you? You know, I mean, I had my eye on him, but he goes, I just gave my money to that man who didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, I felt really bad for him. And that's a day that still he remembers. And so don't I, of course, he still got his toy, but you know, it's those kinds of gestures that exactly. um, really make an impact. And it's refreshing um, to see someone at the head of an organization like yours that really has a heart and soul and a, and a you know, an emotional investment in what they do. Because like you said, you'd like to go to work every day. So let's talk with our listeners a little bit about what are some of the types of programs? Because as we now do this show, this public service program, we want to talk about and open up the doors to a lot of different issues. So what are some of the programs that that you offer out there in the communities briefly? We offer actually a very wide range of diverse services at The Connection. We have three main service areas in our, uh, in our organization, which are family support services, behavioral health, and community justice. Family support services encompasses many um, programs, uh, nationally recognized child welfare focused case management, supportive housing services, which provide stable housing homes for children and families. Uh, we also treat folks under that um, service area that have histories of chronic mental health, issues with homelessness, youth and young family support programs. We have many successful uh, women and children's programs throughout the state. And what we're finding is that these programs are uh, creating independence for all. Well, let's talk a little bit about, in more detail, the family support services. So what are some of the goals of an organization like yours? Because, you know, every family speaking for myself, has their issues. So how do you kind of work within that unit to try to keep that unit together? Is that one of the goals and objectives? It It really is. It's really, we're really a family focused organization. We realize that it's not just the client who's seeking services, it's the rest of the family and the support system that that client has that really has to be stable, whole, and healthy to move on. And what we do is we engage whoever that support may be. It may be a grandparent, it may be a sister, it may be a sponsor, someone else in recovery or you know recovering from either addiction or mental health, et cetera. And what we wanna do is find those positive strengths in that family, because what we do know is that everyone in that unit, there's resilience there. Mm-hmm. And so what we wanna do is tap into that resilience, make it positive instead of negative, respond positively to things that happen. And so the goal really is to bring the family together and provide 
provide services so that everyone can be independent, healthier, and move move forward. Knowing though that recovery is a lifelong I'll call it a struggle. It really it is. I mean I think it is. And and what really amazes me is the inner strength that all of our clients have and they really are resilient and survivors and they didn't choose one day to you know, use drugs or we see the, the history of trauma and abuse is really stunning and it affects every walk of life. And, um, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of stories that I've seen throughout my years at the connection and prior, um, that continue to, you know, just when you think you've heard the last, you know, the most horrific story, you hear another one. Mm -hmm. And so to see folks changing and to see children being born in situations where their parents are getting stable and moving on and breaking those cycles of abuse is is the most really rewarding uh, experience for all. So that's what we see. You know, and it's interesting that you say that the cycle of abuse, because I also see it as a cycle of sometimes a cycle of dysfunction. Absolutely. Um, For example, I know someone who, you know, it was the grandmother who had issues that then cycled into the mother having issues that then, absolutely. And now, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this 20 something year old, you know, granddaughter that's now in the same cycle absolutely. because there was no intervention. There was no professional help mm-hmm. brought in. And, you know, I just, it makes me sad to see that somebody didn't, you know, go to the experts and go to the resources that are out there to get the help to stop the cycle. You know, and I think too, that every one of us and probably a lot of our listeners today can understand that we've all had experiences in life that have been extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And most likely it's because of the support or, or someone else that we were able to reach out to who's helped us through a crisis. But some folks don't have that. Therefore, other things occur. So I think that we're, everyone's always just one step away from a potential crisis. So right. um, I think that that's why um, providing these types of services for everyone as a whole is, is really key. Well, and I can speak to my own personal experience in my recovery from alcohol in that, you know, there was a great family impact. You know, it's uh, maybe not your stereotypical, but as I meet more people in recovery, maybe I am. Um, because I successful businesswoman, mm-hmm. you know, mother didn't seem to skip a beat, but I was going to die. So, and I see the impact that that had on my family. And I'm just so grateful that I did have that family support that intervened in my Absolutely. life. So, but, you know, like you said, not everybody has that. But I can also tell you from personal experience that the impact of what I went through and my recovery process process has had a long lasting impact on my family. And I tell my kids who are now 28 and 26, look, here's what you can do with that. You can take that and say, oh, woe's me. And this is why I'm going to, you know, do this or do that. Or you can take that and look at that as a building block of strength. You know, if life was always perfect, it's what you do with that and how you move on from that. Absolutely. Right? So it's just so great when you can get somebody else's perspective and know that you're not alone out there. Everybody's got issues and there's help available. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Lisa DeMattis Lapore. She's the CEO of The Connection. And I'm just so excited about this new program, Lisa, because there are just so many topic areas and I could sit here and talk to you forever. But the good news is we're going to talk to a lot of your program people. We're going to actually have the opportunity over the course of of these programs to talk to people, real life people who are experiencing something, who are involved in some of your programs. And the other big topic and one of the things that you focus on is behavioral health. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. So um, one out of every five people um, is diagnosable with mental health. Um, The common health um, 
concern affects the ability to sustain relationships, employment, and housing. Often substance uh, use complicates the problem. Um, our, the connection staff is extremely skilled in addressing all of these needs. And if you have a loved one who's struggling with a mental health or substance abuse issue, you can absolutely turn to us for help. We offer a wide range of residential, outpatient, and community-based services that we customize um, to your needs and the needs of your family. And let me ask you that, because one of the things that I hear from people, whether I'm out at a meeting or I'm talking to somebody who's trying to find a bed or Mm -hmm. a program, is they talk about accessibility. Yes. And trying to, you know, maneuver the system. Yes. And, you know, I know as someone in recovery myself, I was in no position to find my own resources. My family mm-hmm. did that for me. So talk about accessibility and how do you open those doors? Or if someone out there listening has someone that is in need of mental health um, services or uh, who maybe has an addiction issue right now, how does one access the system? Um, you can call our toll, toll-free helpline, which is 855-HELP-955, 855-435-7955. And uh, you can also access our website, uh, www.theconnectioninc.org. You know, on a regular basis, there's also a link we get. In fact, I received an email today. Folks can... Um, either call the number or they can um, send us an email and it can be completely anonymous. They can tell us about what they're struggling with. And on a daily basis, we refer those calls, either one of us calls or we get again in contact with the person, either email or, you know, we can call you back and we can get you into one of our programs and help you. And in the meantime, you know, what we like to try to do is to get people involved in our outpatient services. If we can't get a residential bed open first, we will work with you as hard as we can to do that so. well and you bring up a point too because you know beds are tough to find Very in the tough. state okay and that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother show but outpatient services i've also seen those work for a lot of people yes. too and you know what i look at it this way you know at least making the call at step one huge yeah. huge and then getting some sort of support and I've seen outpatient services work for people. They have, yeah. They really do. They can. So something is better than nothing, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay, we want to, and we'll give again this um, number at the end of the program as well. But this is what they call the toll-free helpline. Uh, it is 855-HELP-955. And if you're like me, you got to write the numbers down because I can never figure these things out. 855-435-7955. And it's good to hear that, you know, someone will get back to these folks because the worst thing you can do is feel like nobody's listening or nobody cares. Exactly. And you care. I do. And I, and we get them, like I said, on a regular basis, we had actually received an email this morning from someone who is homeless and has a substance abuse issue and really needs help and doesn't have uh, their children right now. So I think that that's so huge. Just, you know, reach out and we'll direct you the right way. The other thing I wanted to tell you, um, too, and on our listeners that our community-based programs include outpatient behavioral health clinics. We have gambling-specific treatment programs, state-mandated driving while intoxicated, and drug education programs for first-time offenders. Um, so we do provide a large um, range of services for folks. And, and here's the thing. If there's something that we're, we don't specialize in, which most of the things we do, we're going to refer you to someone else in the community who can help your specific issues. So, right, because the connection is just part of a huge abso- network. Oh, absolutely. And you've got people that fund you. You've right. got people that you partner with. Mm-hmm. So it's never like, oh, we don't do that. Um, we will find you somebody that does do that. And it goes will. both ways. If they reach out to somebody 
else and they don't do that, but they know that you do, they're going to refer them to you. Exactly. You talked about the, um, the program for first time DUI offenders. And, you know, I've also had a recent experience with that with a good friend of mine, um, who actually got a couple of DUIs. And then the third one was driving on suspension. Right. So I had the pleasure of uh, going through the process and going to visit this young man in jail. Mm -hmm. Um, He was given a three-month sentence for the multiple DUIs. It could have been years, you know. So it's one of those things, too, that, you know, if you can get the right help and the reality check, and for those of you out there that think that there aren't consequences that go with that kind of behavior, you're wrong. You know, the fortunate thing is this guy didn't kill anybody. And I, you know, I didn't feel bad for him sitting there in jail. I really didn't. This is, that's where he deserved to be. And in my opinion, that's where a lot of people in there deserve to be because they didn't learn their lesson or more importantly, turn to a place like the connection and get the help that they need so that maybe they have a better perspective on the consequences of their behavior. Because sometimes these are things we can make our own decisions. I mean, it's not a smart decision to drink and drive, right? It just isn't. That's right. So that's where you, that's where you end up. And speaking of going to jail, which I mean, that was just it was weird. I'm, I'm, you know, just happy to say I'd never been in a jail before. So, um, it was, it was horrible, but you also deal with folks who are incarcerated yes, and then are coming back out into the real world. Mm -hmm. So we have our other sector, as I mentioned earlier, is our community justice sector. And we really believe that everyone deserves a a second chance. Um, Our community justice services assist you and your loved one with education, skills, and resources needed to return to the community after prison to become a productive and valued citizen. So what are some of the obstacles, Lisa, just from... You know, your personal opinion, when you see somebody who is incarcerated for a period of time, regardless of the crime they committed, what are some of the hurdles to get over once you come back out into the real world? There's many. I and mean, we recently had a, had a client that entered our program who was in prison for over 30 years. And um, to see the difficulty that he had in adjusting to life because he had been behind bars for so long, he didn't know how, you know, he was amazed by even the technology or life. Well, think or of what's it, changed in I mean, 30 it's years. Just, yeah. And it was sad. I mean, it was sad for a variety of reasons, but it was extremely hard for him to reintegrate um, back into the world. Um, what we try to do is, you know, work with folks. We meet them where they are and we develop a treatment plan that will work for that person because everyone's very different. And again, in this case, this man, he had no support systems. His family, you know, either they died or they wanted nothing to do with him. So it was uh, it was really stunning, this case. But the good news is, you know, we were able to, you know, help him, you know, rebuild his life and, and get back in the work workforce and help him get training, training on the job. And, you know, this will be, uh, you know, probably a longer process for him because, you know, he's so used to, you know, being behind bars. But again, there's just so many um, things that we see that we try to work with. So, I mean, in that case, you know, that was, I, I think that, that really, it was recent. I just, it was just really stunning that he had been so, you know, locked up for so long and missed so much out of his life. Right. And, I know, mean, things change in a month, let alone 30 years. I mean, that's years. just, yeah. But the other th- component is, and I go back to my friend who did three months 
And thank, even after coming out after three months, I saw that there was a huge adjustment that had to happen. And, and he shared with me, you know, some of the things that go on behind bars. I can't imagine what goes on in 30 years, but three months. So there's also that kind Absolutely. of, you know, um, you know, he said at times they would let him go without days for toilet paper with no toilet paper. Um, you know, people would steal from him from co- when he got his commissary. I mean, it's not a pretty place to be. And that no. can mess with your head, too. Absolutely. I think it's, again, it's, it's you know, it's difficult. Um, people, you know, make mistakes or they, they do things and they end up, you know, in prison. And, and that's a whole nother um, way of life and having to adjust to survive, let alone survive the world. And, you know, so we, we do see... Um, folks that, you know, come with a uh, difficult past and we try to work with them. But it's, again, like I said, it's really a lifelong process. And then you have sort of that stigma of someone who's behind bars and, you know, how do they get a job and a criminal records check. And um, so, you know, you're also dealing with that. And that's really hard for folks too, especially um, clients that we see that have made some really significant changes in jail, have gotten their degree, um, are making legitimate positive changes and can really give back. And, you know, this, their, their self-esteem is really low and it's trying to get th- them to reintegrate. And so it is very, you know, it is really difficult. Do you ever reemploy the people that you work with? Do you ever, you know, do those folks have an opportunity in some cases to come back into your organization because they've been there, done that? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. Well, actually we, we have, um, we have many staff that are in recovery and staff that have been in programs, um, um, I think we have one or two now that, you know, went through our programs early, you know, very early on, I mean, over 10 years ago. And, you know, we've absolutely done that. And, um, you know, those folks can really give back and understand because they've, you know, sort of walked those paths and they, and they do understand what it's like. So yes. And we, and we, we really believe, you know, actually we're starting a new, um, looking at hiring peers and starting a new peer program. So we're excited about that because, you know, I can sit here Anne, and tell you how wonderful the programs are and the great work we do. But I really think that when you speak to someone who's walked the walk and mm-hmm. has really gone through a program and they speak, which you're going to have an opportunity, we're going to be able to do that, do that on the show, you really understand how um, treatment works and how the smallest things really impact and change their lives. And so that's really the great part about the connection. So let me ask you this. We've got, you know, several minutes left, about eight minutes left, but I want to know what is your vision for the future of this organization, you know, as the fairly recent new CEO. And I, you know, I just appreciate your enthusiasm and your commitment to the organization. And for you, it's not a job. It's not about being CEO. I can feel that. It it really isn't. No. So, so where are you, where are you taking this? And I have to imagine these are difficult times for any nonprofit, especially in this state. That's my own editorial comment. It's true. So where are you going to take this and, and what do you see as the future? of the connection. I see, you know, I see, first of all, um, I just want to say that the staff that work at the organization are absolutely amazing. I have the highest regard for the work that they do every day. They're really committed. Um, they're bright, they're fun. They really believe in the work that we do and they, you know, and that's what really makes our organization versus the staff that we have. They're our, our biggest, you know, asset. Um, I see this organization moving forward with data and research, um, linking back um, data that shows that 
the work that we're doing works. Is, works that we're really saving the state money because mm-hmm. that we've done that in the past. Um, we have a lot of universities that the organization works with, and we're going to continue to do that and publish articles and talk about how recidivism rates are, you know, extremely low for the clients we serve. They're not getting going back in the system. The children are, you know, not um, growing up in the DCF system. We're stopping that. Um, that we're making impact. So we're going to be focusing on that. We're also going to be expanding um, our housing services because we feel that that's really key. We know that housing is an issue. Um, we're, you know looking to potentially expand services for our youth, um, peer services, really providing best practices, and um, really taking a look at um, continuing to grow our outpatient services because we feel that outpatient is really key. Well, and one of the things is that your organization has been along been around long enough that you've got proven results. Correct. You've got now people that are living successful lives and that are adults, probably adults, even with children and grandchildren that have been through it. But the other, the other component that I see is it sounds like you're willing to change and change with, you know, the best interest of the patients in mind. Absolutely. Because I see too many of these organizations doing, especially someone in recovery myself, it's not a cookie cutter approach. No, no, not at all. Everybody's an individual. Everybody deserves individualized treatment and care, and you can't treat everybody the same. No, you can't. And so that's what we've we've learned through all these years is that a lot of the programs that we've expanded really have been because of the data and research and also identifying gaps in the system that aren't being served. So what we will do is change our programs if we think we need to serve, change our program, and we have to start admitting not just women that are pregnant, but women who have children, and or we need to serve more families. So when we collect the data and the research and we see that, we can tailor our programs to better meet the uh, citizens of Connecticut and the families, and that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. Right. And, you know, this is a problem. I mean, mental mental health, drug abuse, this is a problem that's not going to go away. No, it's And not. we can either fund it and we can support it and we can treat it or we can let it spiral out of control. Exactly. So I want to give out the number again for those of you listening. Um, call their toll-free helpline if you or someone that you know um, might be in need of these services. The number is 855-435-7955 or you can go to their website, which is The Connection Inc., that's the connectioninc.org. And someone will get back to you. You're a responsive organization, and I just want to say continued success. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited. I'm sure you're going to be back here on this program. We've got so many things coming down the pike and so many things that we want to talk about. As a matter of fact, you know, this month coming up here is uh, Homeless Awareness Month. And so we want, we'll be talking about that because somebody knows somebody who might be in need of these things. And we could all learn from each other and learn, you know, why these programs are so important. Exactly. We, we're looking forward to um, working with you, Anne. And uh, we have a lot of great work to do and spread the word throughout Connecticut of how we can help everyone um, improve their lives. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's it's quality of life, folks, and we all have our issues. Well, we hope you enjoyed this brand new program called The Connection. We'll look forward to having you back here again next week, same time, same place on WTIC News Talk 1080.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.